I really like that kind of immersive first person reenacting, which some reenactors love it. Some reenactors hate it. They think that it's dorky. To me, it really goes along with the whole kind of what reenacting is. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Reenactors Corner podcast. This is Chris here again. Uh, no Ben this time. We do have a special guest who I'm going to be bringing on later. Uh, but first, I just wanted to say, as always, thank you very much to everybody who supports us via Patreon. This is going to be, I think, the third year in a row that um, I mail out a Christmas card to all of the Patreon supporters as a very small thank you for helping us keep this podcast going. I'm going to be doing that again this year. Um, and if you want, if you want to get a Christmas card, this is your chance because uh, not that long after you hear this, I'm going to be mailing them out. So um, thank you. Thanks to everybody. And uh, I look forward to sending out those Christmas cards. So today's guest is uh, Robert from Sweden. Robert, uh, thank you very much for coming on the program. Thank you. Why don't you just let us know how you got interested in World War II, how you got interested in reenacting, and kind of tell us what your background in World War II reenacting is. Uh, so uh, I started, uh, um, or I was introduced uh, to the reenacting hobby um, almost 20 years ago. Um, and I started out uh, in the uh, in the LARP, uh, LARP community, or LARP hobby uh, in Sweden back in early to 2002 i think it was and uh, i went from that to to diff different parts of the middle medieval reenactment scene and about 12 years ago i contacted a group in sweden that uh, that were reenacting uh, world war ii and said i was interested in, uh, in in trying out and i went to an event and i was uh, yeah, has been a part of the scene since since then, um, and my my main focus has been uh, World War II um, during the last 12, 12 years. Even though I went have I went to to some medieval events uh, uh, during the last years as well, but but the main focus is World War II. Uh, it's interesting that you say that you came from a like a LARP background for people who don't know that's live action role play, which uh, arguably reenacting is a, a form of LARP. Um, I have kind of always been interested in LARP stuff. There's a blog that I follow that deals with uh, recreating props for LARP and stuff like that. And it's really incredible what people make. And there's a lot of, uh, a lot of attention that is given to LARPs that happen in Scandinavia because they're absolutely incredible. I mean, it looks like scenes out of a movie. The effort that people put into creating uh, their LARP impressions is really inspirational and certainly has been an inspiration for me as uh, how I approach reenacting. What is, what is the LARP scene like over there that you have been a part of? 
Um, I would say that LARP scene is, in Sweden is, is, uh, is quite big, it's much bigger than, than the World War II scene anyway. It's, uh, the World War II scene in Sweden is quite small. I would say that there is probably between like 1500 people doing World War II um, in Sweden right now. Um, so there are a few few different groups, uh, but the LARP scene is it's much much bigger. Uh, there are probably thousands of, of people um, attending different kinds of LARPs, and there are, I mean, there are uh, they, virtually any kind of LARP you could imagine. Everything from like uh, post-apocalyptic uh, LARPs, Star Wars LARPs, to to more like. Uh, typical fantasy, medieval uh, style kind of LARPs, uh, and also World War II LARPs, obviously, since we uh, organized uh, organized one just a few weeks ago. Uh, but the LARP scene is really big, and uh, uh, the biggest LARPs probably uh, attract uh, like uh, six, seven hundred people. Um, so it's m quite, quite big, I would say. And, and also the LARP scene in Scandinavia is probably a little bit different from the LARP scene in North America or, or even um, continental Europe. Um, there is a lot of focus on on the role playing part and, and, and creating a character. And, and usually when you go to LARP, you, you could even get like a scripted character that, that the organizers will, will hand out to you with a, with a uh, background for your character and, and relationships to other characters and, and plots and intrigues that you uh, uh, that you play on during during the LARP, um, and and not like maybe the typical Ren Fair uh, style kind of LARP that you would would uh, normally think of if you if you're from North America. That sounds absolutely awesome. You know, I've I've talked before on the podcast about how I really like that kind of immersive first person reenacting, which. Some reenactors love it. Some reenactors hate it. They think that it's dorky. To me, it um, it really goes along with the whole uh, kind of what reenacting is, you know, not just wearing the uniform, but really trying to immerse yourself in that time as much as possible to make yourself feel like you've gone back in time. And, and that means... You know, that means pretending that you're in World War II, basically, uh, not just for you, but for the other people around you to be able to talk to you and feel like they're interacting with someone else who's also in World War II. The idea of doing that on the scale that you're talking about, where there's hundreds of people at the event uh, participating that way is absolutely uh, incredible to me. I've certainly never seen anything like that in historical reenacting. And I think you're right. I don't think anything like that could happen here in the United States. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I know that there are some really big uh, Ren Faire type events, but from my understanding, I don't think those people are really like staying in character. Some of them maybe, but I don't think it's like the event as a whole is doing that. Uh, I, I never attended a, a Ren Faire in North America, so I won't say too much about it, but but my, my impression is that it differs quite quite a bit from from what uh, um, Scandinavian people usually think about when we talk about LARP, uh, the LARP scene in, in, uh, in Scandinavia. And uh, I agree with you. I think that, or my take on reenactment is that if, if I organize an event, I want to create, you know, like, I would say like layers, uh, layers in the experiment experience, um, like, like everybody looking, looking the part, that's like the first layer, that's like the basic layer, you know. And then you can ha add more layers to that experience uh, 
for example, you have uh, someone bringing uh, bringing food from outside of the group. Okay, that's one layer, and then you have uh, perhaps uh, uh, um, um, mail that you receive. That's another layer, and then you have all these like. Um, uh, ex ex external uh, driven um, happenings that, that add to your experience and, and when you open a soul book it's fill, fill out and, and when you um, you know you call the phone someone answers and stuff like that that for me that adds to, to the experience because I don't have to pretend I don't have to pretend that something is written in the soul book because it actually is written in, into it um, and to, to be able to uh, to add that kind of experience uh, to to the participants, uh, I think it's uh, I think that makes a good event. Uh, and and Sounds you, great. You, you can learn a lot from the LARPing scene. I think uh, in in how you can achieve that. Um, even if you don't want to role play, you can still implement some of these ideas in, into uh, an event. Sure. Um, you know, I think you're right in that. Um, historical reenactment in general can learn a lot from the LARP scene and from this different approach. Like you say, even if people don't want to actually get into the role play, just to see how other people um, kind of interpret this sort of creating immersive settings, uh, creating realistic atmosphere. Um, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of really talented people in the LARP scene, no doubt. Um, what is World War II reenacting like in Sweden in general? What kind of uh, what kind of unit are you in, and what kind of events do you guys normally do? Uh, yes, as, as I mentioned before, the, the uh, reenactment World War II reenactment scene in Sweden is quite small. Uh, there are a few a few groups uh, that 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 do um, British and American and, and and German, obviously, and Russian. Um, and I think at the moment. Uh, my unit, uh, uh, FHF, uh, Fronthistoriska Föreningen, uh, is, is the only uh, German unit uh, still active um, in Sweden right now. Uh, so, so it's a quite small scene. Uh, we don't have that many public events. It's never been like a strong uh, strong tradition with, with public World War II events. There are like uh, a few um, but normally, uh, German German reenactors aren't allowed uh, in those events. Uh, so, so um, my reenacting experience in Sweden has been almost exclusively uh, private events, either within our group or or um, with other other groups uh, that that do Russian or or American or Italian or um, uh, British. So, so usually, like the typical, like uh, tactical uh, private events, is what we usually have done, um, and we have also we have we have some good cooperation with other groups in in uh, in, in Denmark and uh, England and and uh, Holland and, and and Belgium. So we we do events uh, in those countries as well. That sounds really cool. The tactical part. Um, is getting increasingly harder to do because of the gun laws uh, in in Sweden that which are quite quite uh, strict. It's it's hard to get get a, get a, a license and you can't own a deact, for example, uh, without a license. And uh, uh, so, so that I think that has forced us also to do to, to think like outside of the box. Like how can you do an event? What kind of events can you do that doesn't necessarily include like the tactical 
uh, tactical part, uh, and and I think that was part of the the part of what what uh, uh, made us uh, do uh, this LARP, and I should also mention that we do did another uh, World War Two LARP, uh, completely different setting than this one, uh, back in 2016, which was quite uh, successful. Um, so so that basically forced us to to do something else to to. Uh, uh, experiment and try to to uh, find other ways to to react. Okay, so that brings us to the topic of of World War Two LARP. Yeah, that you have been organizing. Um, why don't we kind of talk about that? Like you said that you did one, I guess, in 2016. Um, was this something that was just an idea? of and for people in your reenactment group or was this kind of a merger between sort of the LARP scene and the reenactment scene did you get any LARP people to participate in the World War II LARP? Uh, yeah we, yeah we did um, yeah, basically the, 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 it was me and, and a friend in my group uh, his name is Henrik he's also uh, he's, he's been involved with the reenactment scene in Sweden for quite a long time um, mostly the medieval and, and, and 19th century reenactment scene, and he also has like a background within the LARPing LARPing community as well, and he's organized a lot of LARPs uh, uh, in the past. And, and we started talking like, okay, so so both of us ha had the LARPing experience, and we thought it, but uh, we should do a World War II LARP then, and we should use we should use all these uh, all these experiences that we have from from reenacting to try to like improved um, um, improve the standard uh, for the LARP and, and use use the reenactors that we know to 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 up the standards um, and and we organized a LARP that was set in uh, in um, the winter of 44 45 uh, in eastern Prussia uh, um, south of Königsberg where a uh, uh, a platoon um, had been pulled back because they had uh, suffered casualties so they were put, pulled back uh, from the front lines and were quartered uh, do you say quartered like uh, housed uh, um, at uh, uh, a farming estate so we rented a, a farming estate in rural rural part of Sweden um, and the platoon was was supposed to be housed uh, there and there was this family living in this uh, house that was was played by by larpers they played played a family and they had uh, had had a few uh, POWs that worked at the farm, and they had uh, um, some farm people, and then we had uh, a group of people that played uh, refugees from from Königsberg that had uh, been evacuated from the city that also arrived to this uh, uh, rural rural part of uh, Eastern Prussia. So all these people met at this farm basically, and that that meeting was like the start of the start of the LARP. Um, which played out uh, over over uh, two days uh, from Friday to, to Sunday, and and we had uh, when we planned the LARP, we had all these uh, uh, like you, you you can take on like like an event like a reenactment event or a LARP like basically in two ways you can you can expect people to you know to 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 uh, uh, to make things happen and, and to like to imp improvise and, and and come up with stuff to 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 role play uh, about or it can have some some external factors that force them into doing that 
and and my take on this and, and Henrik's take on that uh, as well is that uh, you should force the, the participants to to uh, uh, to act uh, on 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 the uh, on on the happenings that you you play out for them. So so we had for example Feldjedimery uh, that came there. Uh, search search people's papers and, and and stuff like that and we had people arriving uh, to the farm and we had um, uh, radio messages that was transmitted to, to the soldiers at the farm so they could follow like uh, radio traffic from the front line and we had uh, a radio playing uh, news broadcast like Wehrmachtbericht um, and, 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 and stuff like that uh, and we had uh, animals also at the farm that uh, um, that, that the soldiers had to take care of and stuff like that. So, um, and, and that played out really well. It was a, a really good LARP that, that had some really, really cool, uh, cool scenes or cool moments uh, to it. Um, and that was, I think it was in 2016. And when we did that, we were like, okay, this was probably one of the best events that we have ever done and probably one of the best LARPs as well. And we, uh, we were like, okay, we can't, we can't make anything better than this. So, so we didn't, uh, for, for quite a few years. And then me, me and Henrik, um, uh, started talking again and like, okay, but maybe we could do something totally different. Uh, we don't want to do the same, same LARP one more time. We want to do another LARP and that, that's where we got the idea to do, um, a staff LARP, like uh, like we wanted to do, we wanted to portray uh, portray a, a regiment staff, um, a German regiment staff at the end of the war, and to do that as as uh, realistically as possible, and also to have the participant uh, doing like the staff work uh, in in real time for for uh, a long duration of time, so so Friday to Sunday. Uh, during during the whole uh, duration of, of, of the of the day, like night time and, and daytime, uh, so that was the, the like the starting idea that we had. Like okay, so we want to do this. How do we do that? It sounds great. Um, that that first LARP that you did years ago. How many total participants did you guys have at that one? I think it was like thirty five, something like that. Uh, so there were like uh, ha half of those participants were, were like soldiers, um, Wehrmacht soldiers, and then uh, the rest were uh, either either civilians or, or POWs uh, working at the farm. It's really cool to think that you were able to sort of rent a farm um, and even have animals there, like a real working farm. That must have felt uh, very realistic. How much time did you guys spend doing, you know, first-person LARP-type stuff? Was it for the whole event? Yeah. So, 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 so like, the, the, the idea is that everyone is in character the whole time. So, so you, you wake up in your character, and you do, you're, you're in your character the whole day, and then you go to sleep in your character, and everyone sleeps, uh, like, in-game. Um, so, so everything that happens is, is in your, as your character. So you, ne you never break character during, uh, during the game. Uh, and I think that is probably different from from most like what most reenactors are used to because you you aren't in, in your character like in, in that way the whole uh, for a whole event but but 
during this LARP and, and most LARPs, you are supposed to be in your character the whole time. You, you never break break character. I love it. Um, yeah, that's different. I mean, even uh, a lot of reenactments that I go to that are, are kind of pitched as being first person, I wind up only being uh, doing first person impressions for part of the time. And sometimes I've been to events that are presented as first person immersion events, and I don't wind up doing first person reenacting really any of the time. So uh, I think it it can be hard to keep it going sometimes. And I think I've probably talked about this on the podcast before where my reenactment group is very small. We, uh, we have done many immersion events or in our former iteration of my reenactment group, we used to do a lot of immersion events and I found that it was kind of hard to keep the realism going to keep the immersion going with first person stuff for a long time when you only had a small yeah, number yeah. of people, but yeah, I, I, I agree. And uh, I've had the same experience in like in our reenactment group, because when I started out, like I thought, OK, but we should add this like like uh, role playing uh, part as well. And some people were like, yeah, that's pretty cool. And some were like, uh, I don't know, that's dorky or that's like uh, I'm not into that stuff. And, and it's really hard to do it because everyone everyone has to be on board because otherwise you break like the the immersion. Um, and I think what what helped us was that we had, we, so we had uh, like 15 guys from our uh, reenactment group, but then we had like 20 people that they didn't know that were uh, like LARPers playing civilian uh, um, c- civilian roles, uh, and that helped them because they didn't know they didn't know these people before the event. So 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 naturally they were those characters and and, and vice versa. Um, so so I think that. Uh, if you have like your group that you do events with and then you decide like okay now we should be in character i think it's i think it could be quite hard because um i think it's easier to do if you have like uh, make make a a bigger event with, with other people that you perhaps don't know know as well uh, i think that would be uh, be easier uh, and I, I ideally also if you have people that are used to role play it's easier to role play play against uh, those people than your friends that you know uh, very well from outside of the hobby for example i think that's such a good point i actually think that on some level the better you know somebody outside of the hobby the harder it can be in many ways to do first person because you know maybe this person is your friend maybe you hang out with them all the time maybe you hung out with them earlier in the week and now you're at the reenactment with the same people um, and you're pretending it's world war ii but you're remembering that three days ago you guys were hanging out in a t-shirt and jeans Um, or even sometimes i find it can be hard to stay in first person when i have a, a real life sort of reenactment friend that maybe I haven't seen in a while and now we're at the event and I'm really curious um, how things are going with his work how things are going at the new place where he lives or whatever and you know I'm I'm trying to come up with a World War II analogs to that and it's it's not always super easy so no you know, no but, but to I, me there is yeah. there's value in the scale of it you know and in having a lot of people and especially if all the not all of the participants are people that are personally known to you because i mean let's face it that's how 
World War II really was, right? You were meeting people every day. You were going places and uh, and encountering uh, people, whether it was uh, a farmer or you know someone who worked in a shop or whatever, or or new members of your unit or people in the adjacent unit. And if when that can be incorporated in reenacting, I think it makes it feel a lot more realistic. Yeah, definitely. And I think I think one thing that um... If, if people are planning an event, it could be like a, a, a regular a reenactment event or a LARP or whatever. I think uh, a, a good idea is that you want people to have something to do, like uh, for during the event, for example, the, the first the LARP event that we did, we wanted to have people doing stuff because if they don't have some something to do, they will, after a while, they will just sit around and then they will easily slip out of character because you know you end up just sitting there so you want to have people you want to, to to make people do stuff uh, during the event it doesn't have to be like uh, like any important stuff you just wanted to, to do stuff so for that event we had people uh, we, had, we had like this big uh, uh, like um, sack of, of bloody bandages that they were supposed to like cook and you know clean to reuse them basically so they uh, were like uh, making this huge fire and had this like really huge uh, bowl where they were cooking like this bloody bandage um, and cleaning them and then you they would take care of the animals at the farm and they would do like this like house or, or farm chores basically and, and and while they were doing that they were role-playing like okay so so you had like this soldier standing with uh, one of the POWs perhaps and they were uh, taking care of the animals and were smoking a cigarette and then were, they were talking like um, from the character's point of view and stuff like that and that um, that is like a, a, a easy way to, to, to stay in character and also to do something that people would have done back then sure and it could be cooking food or whatever but but um, to have people actually do something just not sit around and do nothing because there's always always something to do and and to, to have that mindset when you're organizing something i think that adds to the realism of the event definitely that's also can be a lot of work um before the event on the part of the people who are planning it you know to have to come up with tasks for the various people to do during the event um how many people did you have involved in planning that farm LARP, you know, compared to how many people were participating and kind of didn't know what to expect and just uh, were doing what they were told at the event? Uh, so that that uh, that LARP, the first one, we were uh, three three people: me, uh, Henrik, and a guy uh, named Thomas, uh, who is not a World War II reenactor, but. Uh, he's a reenactor and LARPer and, and know Henrik from uh, way back and been orga um, organizing a lot of uh, uh, LARPs uh, in the past. So we were basically three people uh, planning um, everything. And, and and for the LARP, we also, uh, like like a big part is like all the roles. So you, so you write like characters for every participant. So like one, one page of character information, like characters background story like family relationships and and also relationships to to the group that they are at the, uh, at the event with it could be like a family constellation or uh, a platoon or something else um, 
so that's like that that's part of the work and then you also make like some kind of scenario you have to write a scenario like okay so what is the setting what, what have happened before all these groups came here these groups uh, have, have done this before because they have to have some kind of common uh, backstory okay so this platoon has been there and they've done that and now they're here and doing this and this family was living in in Königsberg and now they had to leave because of the bombardment and now they have been on a truck and blah 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 so so you you write all this like uh, background stuff that takes quite a lot of time, uh, but it's also important to, to get everyone to to uh, to be able to play their part. To have to have that information, uh, so so that's probably what takes uh, takes took took the longest time for us to, to write all that stuff. Uh, and then there is all like these practical things like arranging, like renting this uh, farm estate. Uh, organizing food uh, we had people playing like uh, like farmhands at the farm that cooked all the food and and and, uh, and things like that but you know the, all, all, all these practical issues that you have to think about and also the the economy also because you have to pay for all this stuff um, so so there uh, is quite quite a lot of work to to prefer pre prepare an event like this and this was uh, a quite small event, only like 35 people, but quite uh, uh, there's quite a lot of work uh, to be done uh, before that. And, and all of us that organized it, it was quite experienced with organ organizing these kind of LARPs. So so we had uh, uh, it was, uh, but it was still still uh, quite a lot of work. Um, and then you don't know you don't know beforehand how it will turn out, you know. So it's like. Um, uh, a surprise it could could go bad but if you have planned it like really really well uh, it, it should go according to plan because you can never really know what the, what the players will how they will play out uh, uh, their parts and also um, the intrigues or the happenings that you introduce to them now it must have been a tremendous amount of work in advance finding the farm property to rent making sure that the interior at the farm property like you know, making sure that stuff there looked correct, yeah, right? And yeah. all the props, like the bandages you mentioned and everything. Uh, how hard was it to make the the farm look correct for the event that you were going to have? Uh, it, it wasn't too much work because we, um, the, the place with, that we used in 2016 uh, was uh, like this um, old, old farmhouse from the late 1800s. Uh, so it looked like, looked looked apart uh, i mean it was a, like an old building that could have been in in eastern Prussia or something like that and uh, the interior was also quite quite intact we re re removed some modern furnitures and, and and things like that but overall it was in quite like uh, usable condition for for our event um, so 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 trying to find the location that actually looks good uh, makes makes it much easier um but but we, we came there like uh, one day before and set everything up uh, um so so it was quite uh, um, some work to to organize it uh, before the players could arrive sure um, so let's let's talk about the event that you did most recently uh, i'm really interested in hearing more about it because i Kind of, I'm really interested in that kind of reenacting. I also do a staff sort of impression as one of the things that I do in World War II reenacting. So the event that you had, that you told me about, it really appeals to me a lot. But 
why don't you just, uh, I know you already described a little bit about what the plan was, but, uh, you know, yeah. what, what kind of did you have in mind for the participants at this thing? Yeah, as, as I said, we wanted, me and Henrik wanted to do, um, we wanted to, to, to have like a, a, like a staff setting and we wanted the people to, to do, as I said, like, like real staff work in real time. And we wanted, uh, wanted the players to be able to, uh, to 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 send uh, orders to the front and also to receive reports from from the front line and we wanted them to receive orders from higher command and we want wanted everything to to work as it as it would have been like during the war that was like the ambition to make a real stuff that do real stuff work uh, so so uh, we realized that we would have to we had to build like some kind of game mechanics to make this work right um, and we had to have a location that that worked with the scenario um, and stuff like that. So usually you would find like a like a location, and then you will make a scenario that fits to to the location. Um, so we we rented this uh, really really cool place. It was a seventeenth century estate, uh, about one hour north of Stockholm. Uh, so this really old like stone stone. Uh, uh, building um, from from uh, from late uh, 1700s that was actually used up until the war and then uh, during the war the family that owned it for some reason left it and just locked it and, and left and then uh, it was uh, was left uh, left alone until the 90s when someone uh, took over it and opened like a uh, like a bed and breakfast uh, kind of uh, establishment there so so everything within the building is like what was old, like from from the 1800s, like the furniture, the, the paintings on the walls, like everything was like uh, it was like walk, walking into a time capsule, basically. So the so the uh, the location was like as as good as it could possibly get. Um, and and then we, as I said, we had to have like a, a, we wanted people to play like staff officers, and we wanted to have people playing um, um, like the like the vital parts of the staff basically so you would have like a, uh, like a commander you would have adjutant and you would have uh, effect schreiber and you would have melders and stuff like that and we also wanted to have like a working uh, communication uh, center like a nachrichtenstelle uh, where where the players could 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 go uh, and say i want to send this message to the first company and then you would have a nachrichtenhelferin sitting there Taking taking the um, uh, the message and, and and calling on the phone and then you would have someone on the other end answering uh, playing first company or second company or whichever company they wanted to call. Uh, so so we had uh, players playing like in the in the nachrichtenstelle and also playing in in the staff uh, um, and then we had people that were like not not in the game but that were like almost like NPCs. They were sitting in another building. So we set up like phone lines between those buildings. So they were sitting in the other building playing all these uh, uh, companies at the front line. So when, when they called, the, it would they would call like the, the NPCs sitting in, in another building. Um, and we manned that place like day and night for the whole time. So we had, had two people sitting there uh, the, the whole time. And then me and Henrik was also like moving back and forth Playing, playing officers at the staff, but also 
uh, helping out that uh, uh, like the game room or or what you want to call it. Uh, so that was like the game mechanics. So so the the uh, uh, Henrik was playing like the regiment commander, and then we had uh, three uh, uh, battalion staffs that were all gathered at this uh, estate. Uh, so Henrik would give orders to the battalion commanders, and then they would break down the orders uh, to each of their companies, and then they would walk into the uh, Nachrichtenstelle, hand over the messages, and the and the Nachrichtenhelferins would would call. Uh, to each company and, and giving the orders and then they would have to sit there and wait for the companies to you know um, attack to that position or, or uh, retreat back to this uh, street or whatever and then after like one hour two hours uh, the phones would start ringing and then it would be the the, uh, the companies at the front line reporting back all right so we have reached our objective or uh, uh, we are being engaged uh, by Russian forces at, uh, on this street uh, um, uh, in that way creating like this like real-time strategy game basically and 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 the staff officers would track all the movements on this like huge map that we printed it was like a, um, uh, um, I don't know how much you, it's it's in foot like five five foot wide and and uh, like seven foot uh, uh, long map that we had in, in the staff room, so like like this huge map over uh, Breslau. So the scenario was that they were defending like the southern part of uh, of Breslau in February of 1945. So they had like this huge city map with all the city street names and stuff like that, so they could like track all their companies at the, at the front and see uh, see how the how the battle progressed. Um, so that was like the like the, the setup for the for the LARP. And we had uh, a little less than 30 participants, so we had uh, uh, about uh, 15, 15 uh, um, officers and gefechtschreibers and, and, and melders, uh, and we had uh, the rest were playing uh, at the Nachrichtenstelle as Nachrichtenhelferins or, or just uh, communication soldiers. Uh, Sounds incredible. Yeah, it was. Um, it turned out really, really well. Um, and then I should also mention that we, as I said, like I, I, I like to introduce uh, things to the event that, that the players could re react to, you know. So we also had um, the, the the people working in the in the communication central. They were all were also monitoring monitoring uh, Russian communications, and uh, and we had so we had like this uh, Russian communication in in actual Russian, and then we had uh, like. Yeah. Every hour there were like a few short messages in Swedish that if they if they would like pick them up and and and, uh, and write them down they could get information that they could use like like as intelligence information for the, for the for the game uh, so that was one thing that we also introduced and then we had a we had also had like a mess hall where where people could go and and, and drink uh, coffee or cognac or have like we had two people cooking all the food as well. So you could take their food and sit there and eat, and they could like meet there like uh, in in their off time or or when they weren't like on 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 duty. So they they could meet like the the, the people working in the communication central, and they could listen to radio, re read the magazines. Uh, so we had like a radio playing also. Uh, it was playing like music uh, day and night. So we had like this really long MP3 file that was like 30 hours long or something. 
and and every hour there was uh, a Wehrmacht bericht, uh, uh, so like the um, Wehrmacht reports, like the daily reports from the, from the front line that was playing in Swedish, then so everyone could understand it. And we had uh, had these uh, um, uh, air warning messages uh, about uh, uh, enemy bombers flying over this city or that city, and and uh, and things like that. It sounds great. Um, when you had the, like, you've got the regimental commander, the battalion commanders, when they were giving orders to their troops, were they, like, getting orders that they were passing on, or were people really trying to strategize and sort of come up with their own sort of battle plan for these uh, units that they were commanding? How did you deal with that part of it? Uh, yeah, so, so the idea was that the, the players would, would come up with their own battle plans. I mean, they got, they got like, the, the, the overall objective for the, for the regiment. Okay, so the regiment has to establish a new Hauptkampflinie uh, um, over these streets, for example. And then 1st Battalion had to keep like in their sector and they have to coordinate with the 2nd Battalion and the 3rd Battalion and like, okay, so we're going to use these companies and, and maybe you can support my 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 uh, attack in this sector and stuff like that. But we left uh, all, all of that to the to the players that they would sort that out. Um, and and they would have to, uh, so they had like the Gefechtschreiber that wrote all the orders down and we had like this, uh, we copied this like original um, messages uh, forms that they would fill out uh, and then the, the GFX driver would take all these uh, um, order forms and then he would walk into to the comms room and leave them there and then you would have people there sorting these and, and handing them out to the people that were going to make, make the phone calls and uh, then they would uh, the, the people in the comms room would type everything down on their typewriters. So we had like five or six typewriters. So they would type everything down. They could pick up the, the reports from the front, uh, front line uh, later when, when they, uh, uh, when they, when they uh, came, came back in. Um, so, so the idea was basically to do like a real-time real, uh, strategy game. That's really cool. It must have been a tremendous amount of work getting together all the props that you needed for that event. Um, you know, you mentioned the typewriters and the radio, just thinking about, and the forms, of course, that you had to reproduce all of the stuff that you would need to have in that setting to make it realistic. Um, how, how long did it take you to plan and kind of uh, bring together all of the elements that you needed to make this event successful? I mean, we started planning this, I think it was in, in 2000. 20 and and the idea was that we were supposed to do it in uh, in February this year but but we had to postpone it because of uh, corona uh, but the idea was to do it like on the on the real date because the in, in the scenario it was uh, late February 1945 and we wanted to do it in February uh, so we would have like the uh, like the snow and everything but we had to postpone it to to uh, uh, early November uh, instead, but uh, I mean it was quite a lot of time. I mean, we I, I even built like a, a like a web page for this event, and I, I've never done it before. But I managed to do it, and I did it on my phone. Uh, used like this free software thing, um, and and then you we wrote like all the background information and and all the. Um, 
character information uh, we also some made and and uh, also just to think to think like how 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 should we do like the whole game mechanic thing and how would how would how would we make this work like in real in real time uh, for the whole duration of the LARP because uh, the staff and the communication center was manned day and night so they were sleeping like in shifts um, so so there were like a lot of thought going into this uh, uh, to this event and also to fix all the like practical stuff as you said like the phones all the field cables the radios um, all the forms and props and 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 also like the map um, I printed the map at this uh, printing shop uh, but uh, yeah fixing all that took quite uh, quite quite a lot of time um, but it turned out uh, like better than I could have ever expected. So I'm, I, I was really, really happy how the event turned out and we did like this poll afterwards and, and the participants seemed really, really happy about uh, the event. It was, I mean, it was, uh, it was hard to, we had like an, uh, an approximation of how intense will this event be. We wanted it to be like quite intense, but we also wanted it to be time to you know to go into the mess hall and, and and have a coffee or a cognac and and you know like do that like role-playing stuff because like the staff work was as i said before like you want to have people to do something like uh, in, the, in 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 the larp and the staff work was 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 that like moving right writing all the orders and moving like your your companies on the map and everything and but it it, it, it was so much more intense because people were so like 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 into the game like immediately they were starting like all right but we have to have control of our companies so we haven't reached third company what why, why the fuck aren't they reporting back and la 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 so they were really like uh like like really into the game from from the start and i think they sent almost 900 messages during this uh during less than 30 hours so so i mean it was like the phones were ringing like non-stop uh, for the whole duration of the event and it was like super super intense I think people slept like three or four hours <laughs> in the event so it was much more intense than than we would have uh, anticipated uh, because people were so like um, yeah you know they wanted wanted to do to uh, to have like all the information like 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 the game um, how do you say like like the game uh, game mind or the game like uh, uh, focus like uh, hitting um, instantly, basically, when when we started LARP. How many of the people who were there were reenactors, and how many of them were uh, LARP people? Were they all reenactors? About half of them were reenactors, and half were LARPers. Perhaps a little bit more reenactors than LARPers, but but uh, quite quite a lot of LARPers. Uh, and I would say that that I mean, as I said before, that that helps people who aren't like super experienced with it with the role play and stuff like that to 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 stay in character because they perhaps they even meeting a person for the first time and they don't know who, who they are and then they are basically the character that they see because they don't know anything else about them so so that definitely helped with with creating this uh, like the, the atmosphere and like when the larp started uh, so we we were portraying uh, like a real regiment that was fighting in Breslau, uh, Festung Regiment Moor, that were fighting on the nor northern uh, front of the city, but then they were transferred uh, to the southern part of the front to relieve another regiment that was basically destroyed. So when the LARP started, 
the staff had just been established at this building so it was like a bit chaotic in the beginning and people didn't really know know anything uh, um, so 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 that was like how, how the LARP started. They, they arrived to this estate and had to set up the whole stuff. Uh, it sounds like a lot of people must have had to buy uniforms and stuff for this event. Is that is that the case? Uh, yeah, I mean, most most of the reenactors uh, that participated usually don't like reenact officers. So so many of them had to, had to, to buy like uh, new uniforms and insignia and stuff like that. And, and all the people playing Nachricht and Helferins, they weren't reenactors either. They were LARPers, but they bought all the stuff. So we, so, so we made like this uniform guide, like, okay, you want to play this, uh, this uh, character, you need to buy this uniform and all this stuff. Um, and um, people bought the stuff, uh, but I mean, obviously that's a, like, uh, that will, will, will be for some people that aren't like, super into this or doesn't want to like spend a lot of, a lot of money uh, they will perhaps not want to attend them because you had to you have to spend like a few hundred dollars to get your like uniform together um, so so but we, we 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 didn't want to like we still wanted to have like like quite the high 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 level of, of accuracy so we didn't want to like have people just come in whatever uh, we wanted the people to have like the, the real uniforms and and look the part because that's like the aesthetic part is, is is quite important or was important for us when we planned the event we wanted to do it like a high quality uh, event that's really cool are you going to do the an event like this again I mean, since it since this was so uh, so good and so successful and so fun, uh, uh, most of all, uh, I'm sure uh, I'm sure we will do uh, an event uh, again. Um, I think we should we have to find like the like a good location uh, first uh, because that's like such a big part of 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 of, uh, of the event to have like a really good location. So, but but I'm really uh, I would really like to do something like this again because it worked so well and, and obviously you would have like a different scenario and perhaps uh, Western Front or something else. Um, um, but, but like the game mechanics works really well and then um, you would probably want to introduce like like more details into and into the event like paperwork for, for the participants and perhaps also uh, now we had like telephone communication, but uh, perhaps introduce as well like um, radio communications also, and you know, to, just to add add these layers of, of uh, realism uh, to the event. Um, so I'm sure we will do something something again. And I mean, I have a lot of like reenactment friends that are like from from other countries, and since this was like in Swedish, it was not possible for them to attend because they didn't speak Swedish, but it would be uh, it would be exciting to try to do like like an international event uh, sometime as well uh, to, to invite people that are like interested from from, uh, from from other countries and do it in English then it would be the easiest I think but uh, um, it's possible it sounds like a really cool event I wish I could have gone and you know and if uh, if you do one in English let me know that sounds really fun. Yeah, definitely. 
It's interesting to think that some people were probably buying uniforms just to do this one event, not really, maybe not expecting to use those uniforms again. I mean, that's uh, that's a lot of dedication to uh, spend hundreds of dollars to do, you know, what, what might wind up being just one event. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, I mean, obviously, we were super happy to have, have uh, participants that uh, wanted to 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 do this and uh, i think that uh, some of them went to to the first larp and thought that was like a really good event so they wanted to 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 come to to this one as well and some people had had heard about uh, the first one we did and they didn't want to miss out on the second one so so i i guess like the reputation uh, helped us to to uh, to get enough uh, uh, participants and and uh, um, we could probably have fitted like perhaps ten participants more, but uh, but it was like a good amount, uh, and uh, we had like okay, we had to have like at least twenty people to make this work, uh, and we had close to thirty, so it was uh, uh, it was uh, a good amount. We could have used like a few more. There's all always like how do you say like uh, like you have to kill your kill your darlings when you when you. Uh, organize something like this like perhaps it would have been more realistic to have like i don't know a platoon of soldiers guarding the battalion uh, staffs perhaps but we didn't have those uh, participants so we couldn't couldn't do that and you know um you can always make it like more realistic but you also have to adapt uh, what is what is uh, how, how it was and how it should be to to make uh, make a good larp you know, you mentioned the the cognac thing. Did you guys have an opportunity to like party at all, or was that uh, not really what you were going for? You know, uh, I mean, the the, uh, the participants could could drink cognac at the mess hall if they wanted to, and like there were like no like alcohol was allowed in the event. Obviously, we didn't want people to get like drunk during the event, but but there were like no restrictions for, for the people to bring their own alcohol. Um, and then we uh, the, the, the LARP ended like uh, uh, in the night between Saturday and Sunday um, because we, we basically did like non-stop did it non-stop with very little sleep from from Friday afternoon to to uh, uh, about uh, 10 10 p.m. on Saturday uh, uh, Saturday evening. So that's when we broke it off, and and people uh, could like uh, sit around and talk about the LARP and and, and have a drink and uh, and and uh, um, like like uh, reflect on their their experience during the LARP, uh, and that's probably also like an important uh, part I think to 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 be able to share like that experience with the people who was actually there uh, at the time um, I think that that makes the event probably better than if people just like came out then it is over and everyone goes home oh, I agree did you have any problems with people breaking character even accidentally or uh, did everybody pretty much remain in the LARP the entire time that you were that you were active um, I mean uh, n- not that I noticed everyone is like on board with the idea uh, and, and if you wanted to break character you could just like go outside and and I don't know 
walk away to the parking, uh, your car or whatever, if you wanted to like make a phone call or, or something like that. But but the idea is that everyone is in character the whole time, and 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 since everyone is there with the same ambition to do this, like in in character and and as realistically as possible, like uh, you would out of like courtesy to the other participants, you would you would stay in character. Um, so so that wasn't a problem that uh, that I uh, noticed uh, anyway. And I mean, sometimes, what about like uh, uh, you know cell phones and digital cameras? Did you allow people to have and and use that stuff? No. So so no no modern stuff like is allowed. You would keep that like in your in your car or or, or whatever. So so like nothing that will break like the the, the impression. Uh, is allowed so everything is everything is supposed to be historically correct uh, so so uh, like obviously no like modern modern glasses or, or stuff like that yeah so then you mentioned afterward I guess you did a poll to uh, get a sense of how people enjoyed it and you know did you learn any sort of lessons that you could apply to next time I know this was your second one that you did so um you know, wasn't wasn't your very first try? Do you think if you were to do it again, you could you could make it even better? Yeah, yeah. There, we got some really good feedback from the participants um, that we definitely should try to implement uh, the next time. One of them was that, as I said, like the, the event was like extremely uh, intense. Like they sent like like nine hundred messages. Uh, so there were like ex- an extreme amount of messages. We had like anticipated that it would send like perhaps 300 messages like 10 messages an hour but it was like 30 messages an hour um, instead and and next time we will probably make it i think it's 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 better to make it like to have like uh, you have like uh, maybe a few hours that are like are quite quite intense and then you have like a few hours which are much calmer because that will give people time to to role play more because now now they had they were everyone's like super occupied with like answering a phone or typing a, a report or or standing over the map and, and doing all that stuff which was like great but but i think we could in- introduce like more like um more time for people to to actually like uh, sit, sit around the table and uh, as i said like read a newspaper or listening to the radio or or, or or have a coffee and 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 speak to the other characters that they don't like work with uh, uh, at their like working station or, or stuff like that so that would be one thing uh, to to uh, to give people more time to role play uh, and I think um, um, you, you could probably like uh, introduce like more more details into the game uh, like like now we didn't have like we we did we didn't I mean the, the the players received like okay so now this this company has been in uh, uh, been in contact with with enemy and they have lost uh, uh, six soldiers and two are injured and then they had to like drag everything down and when like a company uh, had too many losses they would have to pull them back and, and put in a new one uh, but we didn't we didn't do any any play around like logistics and, 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 and stuff like that. Perhaps you could introduce that as well and make like the game more like detailed. Um, and you could, uh, I said also we had like this, uh, um, uh, 
where you uh, monitored uh, Russian communications, like that thing was, it was too hard for, for the players to uh, to be able to, uh, to 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 hear and to write down like the like the Swedish messages that were like embedded with the Russian traffic. So so that game didn't like work exactly as we planned because it was too hard for the, for them to uh, uh, to pick it up. So that we would probably have to make it a bit easier. Uh, so there are like small things that you could like tune on and 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 make better for sure. Um, but o overall, it was a, uh, it worked really well, and uh, it, uh, it it just goes to show that you can do you can do events that aren't necessarily about like the typical like, tactical shooting part. You can do like other other types of events, and I know you have like this or you had that event in in in, in the U.S. Uh, at that like military base where that guy got his uh, thumb blown off. Right. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the forty in town gap uh, event. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, that was like you had some part of what we tried to do in this LARP at that one as well. I think you had like the coffee cafe where you could go and have a drink, and you had like this uh, like your stripes dove where you could get like your stamps for your soul push and stuff like that. So I mean, uh, there are ways to introduce that even even though you don't do like a like a like a LARP with everyone, everyone's character, I think you can still introduce that thing and, and make uh, uh, reenactment with events that involves in, uh, around other parts of, of uh, like uh, the everyday life of, of a German soldier or uh, an officer or something else. Sure. Uh, I, I feel like I could ask questions about this uh, all, all night long. I really appreciate hearing about this from you, but... Um... I guess my last question is, do you think that uh, having done the LARP, that it gives you some skills that kind of can make you a better reenactor at regular reenactment events? Uh, I mean, uh, I, I've, I've organized like like traditional reenactment events as, as well. And I, I think that uh, uh, by, by organizing this LARP, I'm, I think that what I will try to to implement more in in, in like the regular events is is adding like adding adding things like communication like field phones uh, use them more having having people like doing things that will will create like the feeling of an outside world you know. Uh, because if you have like your, your perhaps your, your group or your platoon or whatever, and you're in your trenches and doing whatever, uh, the hard part is to create a feeling that okay, but there is actually a platoon to the left and another platoon to the right, and then we have uh, a, a command uh, company command post at the back, and you know we're part of something bigger, and to create that feeling is is quite hard. But I think, uh, but you can do that by introducing things like communications and people bringing perhaps bring up food to, to the soldiers in the trenches and you have um, felt post and stuff like that and, and, and try to implement that that more uh, to create a feeling for those who participate that okay but we aren't just one group sitting here alone in the forest we are part of something bigger there's so many various reasons and different integral parts that kind of keep a unit together and keep it running for inching up toward 50 years here as a 
as a unit. So to be, be able to say that you've been around for, for this amount of time, it, it's, it's quite impressive. To get that full immersion in 3,000 meters, uh, it snowed on us, it was frost at night, sleeping in, under cell ponds. Yeah, it was a great experience being on, on that location, being in the Alps, uh, wearing the uniform and being with like-minded guys. Hey, it's a real pleasure to be here as a, as a long-time listener and someone whose long drives to reenactments are uh, filled with the sounds of the Reenactors Corner podcast. It's a bit of a fanboy moment. The Reenactors Corner, bringing history to life. Robert, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and uh, telling us about this. It's been really fun talking to you. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I w- just want to say uh, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to you guys and your reenactment group and your reenactment friends over there. Thank you. Merry Christmas. So uh, to everybody out there, thank you once again for your support via Patreon, without which we wouldn't be able to keep this podcast going. And uh, to Robert and to everybody else out there, I will see you in the field. <laughs>